Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. Our neophyte reviews City and Newcastle. We're going to share our small sample size worries. We reveal our first ever Who You Play Matters power rankings. We're going to talk about the despicable Mason Greenwood and some injuries. What's up, guys? How are we living? Hey, guys. We're missing Chris Smith tonight, so uh, we'll miss his voice. But we have Andrew and Neophyte Chris Lundberg with us. Uh, I'm ready. I realized like when we were talking through the show notes at the beginning, I was like, I might touch on this or touch on that. But then if I say it in the intro, we have to touch on it. <laughs> so uh, that's good. Hold us accountable. I'll just touch all the touch on all those things, but as we do every week, we're going to start off with the neophyte match, which also was what I thought would be the best match of the weekend. Um, I didn't get to watch mo- most most of it. I saw a little, and then I watched some extended highlights today. But that can only really give you so much. So fortunately, Chris, you watched it. So give us give us some impressions. Give us your thoughts on the match. You know, so I I went into it with proper expectations, knowing that I was focusing on Newcastle. They're going to Man City. Like, as much little as I know about Man City, I know that they're above and all the best team in the Premier League. So I I had an expectation of what I was going to see. And I came to a realization as I was watching it. So I'm a real estate agent, and I have the same thing that I always share with all my clients when we start the process. And it's kind of now overlaying with this entire process of picking a team. So when we go out, we look at a house or we're starting looking at houses. I always tell them, I say, you're never going to find the perfect house. It's not out there. And the moment you think you have it, you, you buy that one and the better house comes on later. So the whole process and framework that we think about when we're going in and looking at homes is, you know, what we have to do first is we have to get rid of all of the crap that isn't going to work. And then we see what's available at the end. And so as I was watching this game and comparative to the last couple of weeks, I started realizing that when I'm watching these teams, I'm way more focused, not on finding a team that I like at this stage of the season, Um, but really just looking at teams that I can't stand and seeing if I can already two, three, four weeks in start to put them in the not a chance category. And so I went into this with kind of an expectation of, you know, never really watched Newcastle before. I know some of the players on City, so there's at least some, some um, you know, recognition of, of some of those guys before I've seen them. And after watching the game, I didn't really get left with anything else other than I don't hate this team. I don't know if I like this team. It wasn't – there wasn't much. They only have one shot on goal the entire game. City did what we kind of thought that they would do. Like, it was fun seeing a new team that I've never watched before. There wasn't any players that stood out that really – I like their striker. I, uh, what was his name again? Let me pull it up again. Uh, the Swedish striker. He looked good. Um, I'm for, I am like – I don't know why. Isaac. To- Isaac. Isaac. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alexander Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. There we go. My, my screen on the way. Isaac, like, 
Like, it was fun watching him on the ball. I thought they defended well against Holland. Like, Holland had a bunch of opportunities that he couldn't put away. Like, their defense was was solid in the back. Um, yeah, they honestly, do as have I was good... watching them, I kept... They have a really solid defense. So I kept getting uh, I kept getting drawn in all reality. I, I feel like I was kind of cheating on them while I was watching because I was here to watch Newcastle, and I was doing everything that I could to go, okay, here, we're here to watch Newcastle. But I'm telling you, I think I have a new three weeks in. I have a favorite player that I've watched so far, and it has to be Phil Foden. Mm. I, he absolutely tore through the midfield and so many opportunities. The ball on his foot. I mean, Holland didn't do a lot with the passes up top, but, man, every ball was perfect. It was spot on, passing into space. So much fun to watch him and just, I mean, going from, you know, top speed to turbo speed and back it was so and and newcastle did a great job they did a great job defending the fact that it was only one nothing was probably a gift probably should have been three or four based on the opportunities that newcastle had so or excuse me that that man city had but no i mean give give newcastle credit they held it together and and they had a shot technically because they were only a goal down but it never really felt like they were gonna do anything it felt like it was well in hand and and Man City didn't even sub anybody. They played this the, the starting eleven all the way through. And I in the end the the post game match, uh, Pep was like, "Yeah, there really wasn't a good opportunity to sub anybody, and nobody was tired." So, you know, why why the hell would I sub anybody? Pretty much that was the attitude. Which I I was very partial to that type of like no nonsense like yeah we're we're too good we don't need subs i mean it was it was fun it's kind of what i expected from what i know about man city but uh no all in all it was it was an okay game to watch it was definitely not as entertaining as some of the other games uh, uh over the weekend that i kind of caught highlights on and watched a little bit um but i think it's more because i i'm already starting to to grow a, a dislike for some specific teams and some some specific players and there wasn't so, there wasn't strong emotions for for anybody in this game outside of you know, Phil Foden, that's that's fun to watch. So I, I just would like to say real quick that you dodged so many landmines when you said, you know that player on Man City I really like? Nate and I both paused. <laughs> we both took a deep breath. We're like, please don't say Jack Grealish. I please saw, I say- saw, I saw you all okay, both you kind of like your shoulders went up. Is and so no, I'm I I'm glad I, I made it through that without <laughs> without damage so i actually in my head i said phil foden i well one he had a great game and then i had just had a feeling that was going to be who you were going to say i would have loved if he said kyle walker just for you <laughs> it would have been amazing <laughs> so there's a couple well and actually that wouldn't be surprising either with your love of defense love of defense and i didn't i mean i i know a little bit about walker from the from the the national team so i have a little bit of a connection you know i've seen him before so yeah well, a couple of comments. Um, the interesting thing about Phil Foden and his role specifically is it seems like they're asking him to do uh, the Kevin De Bruyne role. Um, and so even just interesting that you wouldn't have seen him play the same way had Katie, Katie B been healthy. Right. So, so I think that's interesting. Another thing is I think that we should maybe there is no rule on which games you can choose. So you can choose whichever games you want, but we should probably offer a suggestion that not to focus on a team when they play city. 
because that is such an unfair uh, judgment on, on a team. So obviously you certainly can, but uh, that is that that's something that we could maybe uh, not instill, but just recommend. I would no, like to pile good. on on that because a couple of things, Newcastle is an amazing team and I think they're going to be really good this year, but yeah. they played city in, in Manchester yeah. and it was still only one nil. So if anything, it just showed how good Newcastle is against everybody else, not named city. Yeah. And I appreciated that. And again, going back to my framework of trying to figure out teams that I'm already wanting to potentially write off or put in that category. The fact that like I watched them and it, everything happened as planned, it kind of just encourages me to go. Yeah. I can't wait to watch these guys again in another match when I'm watching them against Brentford or, you know, somebody else to kind of see, you know, cause obviously we'll get a lot of chances to watch the same team over and over, whether we're focusing on them or not. So no, it was good. It, I mean, it, it wasn't as good of a game overall that I was hoping it was going to be. There just wasn't a lot of action compared to some of the other matches. So, but hey, and that's you're not all going to get great ones. So, and that's what's fun about this process. I mean, the 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 week I chose to watch Wolves five years ago or six years six seasons ago, they won four to three in this epic match where they were down three to two, they came back one, four to three. It was super exciting. And that absolutely shaped the t me enjoying wolves. Right. I know Andrew, Andrew's just getting up off the floor, hearing that wolves scored four math, four goals in a match. Wolves may not score four goals, uh, by the end of October this year. So, uh, uh, but they did, they, they were prolific at, at one time. So um, it's, but it's interesting. It's just a part of the, like, you can't watch every game. You got one season, which is more than most people will take to choose a team. And so uh, it's great. To... There's a reason I was such a huge Spurs fan after four weeks, they started on fire last season after they were unbeaten after seven, they were. Oh. Yeah. So um, in terms of, you know, catching them at the right time, I think I concentrated on Chelsea in week two, and that was the famous Conte and um, what's his name fight. Uh, why am I blanking on Chelsea's coach last year who got, in, got into the scuffle with Conte? Oh. Um, or Everton. Uh, yeah, Tuchel, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the week after I focused on Spurs, and they beat the tar out of somebody. So yeah, there's, it, it, it matters who you play. It also matters who you watch and when you watch them. So um, Lundberg, as I said earlier, I, I recommend to watch as many games as possible just to get an idea of what other teams look like in advance of really focusing on them. Yeah. Which is a good segue into how about the Spurs? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, should we hold <laughs> off a bit? Because that might be part of uh, our overreaction after week two. No, that's a oh, perfect, man. that is a, that is a good segue. So we have, it's a small sample size, right? I dub this small sample size worries. Uh, but certainly if you want to uh, talk about small sample size overreactions, uh, that's fine as well. But, but I think what, what it's all alluding to is the team Spurs played this weekend. Yeah. Let's overreact on them for a good reason. Um, Let's start with Manchester United. 
in the first half of the of week one against Wolves, Chris and I watched it with you, Nate, and yep. I think both of us just said, "Wow, it looks like they didn't know the season had started yet." They yeah. look slow. They look lackluster. They look significantly better in the second half, and yet they still only won one nil at home against Wolves. No offense. And no, no offense taken, but they also should have probably only gotten a point from that game. Uh, if you saw this week, Jordan Pickford got a penalty for a late challenge in the box. Jordan Pickford is the keeper for Everton. Did a similar, like, errant attempt at a ball. Caught uh, the player, the Aston Villa player. I forget who it was. Um, I think Ollie Watkins caught him and got a penalty called and, and Aston Villa scored the pen. So, you know, you're a, a, a controversial penalty away from United only having one point after uh, two matches. And what's crazy is they came out hot in the first half against Spurs. They looked significantly better. The Spur, Spurs looked lackluster. They looked slow. It, they get, they looked like they were waiting for an opportunity um, and I'm going to overreact on Spurs in a second, so I'll hold off on what I'm going to say next. But in the second half, United looked just as lost. Spurs looked like they were in control from start to finish of the second half. And um, actually, after five minutes into the second half, they United came out a little hot to start with. But Spurs, from like five minutes in, from the 50th minute on, I think it was completely Tottenham's game. So I was kind of uh, blown away by that. So... I guess the overreaction is nobody on United looks good except for Onana. And even he looked bad in the second half. But, I mean, you can't only blame blame the goalkeeper. Um, I don't think this is an overreaction to say that Manchester United looks like shit so far. That they're lucky to have three points and only be in 14th or 12th place or whatever. Um, they are very lucky that... They played Wolves at home to start the season. Otherwise, they could have zero points right now. Well, yeah, and they, they've got Forest next, and then they p- go at Arsenal and home to Brighton. So we'll know, we'll know, and again, this is we're overreacting, but we'll know in the next few weeks like a little more of, of where United is really at. Okay, should we transition to Spurs real quick? Um, yeah. My only overreaction is... Pastacoglu, is that how you pronounce his last name? I think it's as close as I'm going to get. Um, he seems to have these guys believing. They looked in the second half. They looked patient. They looked confident. They looked like they knew. It, it's, it seems like, obviously, they had to get to know his system a little bit, and this is an overreaction. Again, it's week two. But in the second half against United, I was blown away by how competent uh, Spurs looked. They looked like they had all been playing together for years. And meanwhile, I think three or four of their starting 11 are, are, are new. So, and by the way, Rich Arlison sucks. Um, he hasn't contributed anything. So that's not an overreaction. That's an extension of, a, of an honest, decent reaction from last year. I think another, uh, another too early to tell reaction or small sample size worry is Fulham. Fulham is after two weeks, they beat, they have three points. Yes. They, beat they won Everton. in week one. They beat Everton one nil. Yes. Everton is 
I think garbage. Just, Why even? They're in dead. They're not even a. They're not even a small sample size overreaction. They are exactly what we thought they'd be. Everton, but, it's it. That's um. What is it called? That's um. Uh, uh, when you see something, uh, confirmation bias. Yes. Like we all think Everton sucks, and they've sucked so far. So they're proving that we were right and that we're geniuses. Yes. Yeah. Um. But. But for Fulham to go out, and I was really interested in this Fulham-Brentford game because it felt they finished, I think, 8-9 last year. Yeah. So I was really interested to see how do they play against each other. I expected a close game. And there were some things that went against Fulham. The, the Tim Ream double yellow, like him being sent off um, for what would I would say was probably a pretty weak foul on the second one. Um, like... I do think it was closer than it, it could have been, but still um, Fulham there's, there's some problems there in this squad. Um, you're also burying the lead. Uh, Mitrovic is gone. And they've replaced him with Raul Jimenez who I love. I love, but he is not, has never been the same since his head injury. And he just, ha- he doesn't have it like he used to. So uh, for our listeners, we are going to modify some of our predictions before the by the uh, September 9th transfer window deadline. Is that correct? No, sept- like September 1. is OK, um, because goodness gracious, Mitrovic leaving is going to affect my Fulham rankings. Spurs look better. I might move them up a spot. And then who is the other one? I have a, I think I'm going to create a rule where you can only move one team up and one team down. You can move them as far up as you want and one team as far down as you want, but rather than reshuffle everything, you agreed. I'm okay with this rule. That's what I'm thinking. So that's fair. That's really fair. So that's, that's really fair. That's why you're the podcast host. (laughs) Because I have, uh, I already know who Chris is going to drop. It rhymes with Burnley. <laughs> Maybe they've only played one match. We'll see. They've only okay. played one match so far. So, and they lost to City three nothing. Oh, it was City. You're right. Never mind. I was looking where they were, and I forgot teams, that they've only got one under their under their belt. Most teams in the league are going to lose three nothing to City. So, we're not going to hold that against Burnley. Can we do the um? So I know we're doing overreactions. Can I just read to you the bottom seven teams and show you how this isn't in, this is just a perfect reaction because yeah. we were just burning Everton for being a dead last. All right. In 15th place, we have Bournemouth, not a shocker. Bournemouth in uh, 14th. 14th. Sorry. Um, tied with Chelsea. They're both 14th. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So Chelsea also in 14th. That's not a shocker for me. It's a bit of a shocker for you. Yep. Um, but they've looked like straight shit. I don't I don't know what to say anything positive about them. They, um, I feel like Chelsea is trying to pull a forest. Last year, Nottingham Forest essentially refreshed their entire squad and brought in all these random good to moderate skill players. And they just never gelled and were kind of trash and struggled all season. I feel like Chelsea's doing the same thing. Chelsea has more money, so they're bringing in much better players, but that squad is so different than it was last year. And I just don't, it's it. soccer. Isn't a game you can play with just a mismatch of, of superstars. So I think Chelsea's doing their best forest impression, which will leave them around 15th. 
That is literally what I said was going to happen last year uh, on our final yeah. podcast, by the way. Yeah. I feel good yep. about it. So we got Bournemouth and Chelsea in 14th, Sheffield United. I want to say something nice about Sheffield. They've lost 1-0 Crystal Palace. They lost 2-1 to Forest. Um, both respectable games. They've given up, you know, three goals. That's not bad. And they've, you know, uh, they've only scored one, but still, that's better than a lot of teams. So, again, I don't think Sheffield's going to stay down this low um, compared to the rest of the competition that sucks. Luton and Burnley get kind of a pass. They've only played one game. They've each only given up, well, their differential is still, yeah, negative three each. Wolves, 0-2 also with a, a negative four goal differential. Um, and then Everton, of course. Uh, coming in dead last. None of those is surprising. I'm a little surprised by Wolves, but I just don't know which Wolves team to, to believe. Is it the team that outplayed United or is it the team that got their asses smoked by Brighton? The interesting thing about Brighton and Wolves, in the last four matches, Wolves have given up 17 goals to Brighton in, in the last four matches. Wow. They lost six nil. So they lost four, one, six nil, three nil and three, two. Okay. So we have a couple of more, um, overreactions to go with. Okay. I'm going to go with one right now. I'm going to go with Liverpool. I don't think there is, I think they're worse than their, than their current ranking. Um, they drew with Chelsea and Chelsea sucks in my opinion. And wow, they beat up Bournemouth. Big deal. Um, I think Liverpool and United are both significantly worse than we all thought they were going to be to start the season. And um, I'm actually blown away by their poor performances to start. Again, week two, they're both. one has four points, one has three out of a possible six. It's not the end of the world, obviously, and they can turn it around next week. But in two weeks, I've seen nothing from either of them. I don't think it's that impressive to score three goals against Bournemouth at home. No. And, and Bournemouth, I think had one goal brought back. Bournemouth actually had the lead one nil. Um, yeah. All right. So now we have to overreact to Brighton. Our first place, Brighton. What is their, what is their nickname? The bees? Seagulls. The seagulls, the Brighton seagulls. Um, first place, Greatest goal differential, even greater than City. Um, they did play Wolves at home, correct? No, at, at Wolves, at Molyneux. Oh, okay. So that is more impressive then. And then, yeah. But then they stomped on Aston Villa. No. Nope. Then they, Aston they Villa. On, they stomped on Luton, Luton Town. Oh, they stomped on Luton. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, neither is that impressive of a win but they're still scoring a ton of goals, but it matters who you play, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to overreact to Brighton. I'm impressed. Yeah, Brighton Brighton was hovering in, in the top five, top six discussion, all top four for a long time last season and faded towards the end. So time will tell. You can only beat the teams that you play and they've pounded both teams. So it'll be interesting once they, they play some quality, which they have West Ham, this weekend, which uh, I don't really know what to make of West Ham, but I think they should beat West Ham. And then they play Newcastle and then Man United. So 
not necessarily this weekend, but I do think, you know, next and the following after that will, will, they'll get some true tests, which and I, think, I think that bright, the, the Newcastle one is later this week, correct? No, it's Saturday. Newcastle. No, they play West Ham this weekend. Newcastle is the following weekend. Oh, I thought they were doing two a week starting this week. No, not yet. Oh, dang it. I know. Not yet. I can't wait. Well, that I think that leads us right into the Who You Play Matters power rankings. Our first ever installment of this. I spent a lot of time looking at the current results. Uh, I looked at if there were any uh, similar teams that had been played, if two teams had similar point totals but had played similar teams, and try to come up with the who you play matters power rankings. So here we go. Number one, I've got City. City, uh, basically their wins are better. They're more impressive over Brighton. Brighton at two. I've got Newcastle at three, mostly because their win against Aston Villa, I think, is a great win. And their loss is a great loss. Losing to City 1-0, that's a great loss. So I've got Newcastle at three. Feel free to interrupt if you disagree with any of these, by the way. I So far, I'm with you 100%. I've got Arsenal at four. Too high. Mostly because, but they've won their, their game. So uh, I did say you could interrupt. So you did. Too high. That's fine. I've got them at four, uh, mostly because they've won their games and you got to win. Do you know what the headline on ESPN's Premier League page right now is? It doesn't matter because ESPN FC is dog shit. So Arsenal I, no winning ugly is key in Premier League title chase because today's match was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. They barely beat Crystal Palace. Come on. Yeah, they are down to 10 men for uh, a good portion of that. That Good uh, 30 minutes half. or so, yeah. So, um yeah, that's fine. I, I could see why their, their wins haven't been good and they haven't played good teams. So, or they haven't been dominant wins. And so uh, I understand why you'd put them lower. I've got them at four. I've got Tottenham at five uh, over Brentford. Uh, they drew with Brentford, but uh, Spurs victory over Manchester United is more impressive than Brentford's win over Fulham. I've got Brentford at six. I've got West Ham at seven. They drew. Now this is why this is going to change quite a bit. Cause I don't know if Chelsea or Liverpool are any good. They're but, both terrible, but, but we don't know, but traditionally they're good and they've got a lot of talent. West Ham beat Chelsea. Uh, and Liverpool drew with Chelsea. That's why I've got West Ham in seven. I've got Liverpool at eight right behind them. Hold on, I need to interrupt this for a second. Cause Go I'm, I, I think you have to look at the teams below. I know. I understand. I understand. I, I agree with you. I, it's gonna, just that. You're going to have a hell of a time finding a team below these guys. You're right. I, I guess I don't disagree. It's just that I think West Ham is going to be relegated this year. And I guess this is power rankings for right now. Fine, fine, fine. I'll allow it's it. The, fine. It's the who you play matters power rankings. You're right. Based completely on who they've played. Which means that. Chelsea sucks though, dude. So, I mean, I, that's the thing is there's so much trash from 14. What am I supposed to do? Pick your right, put higher. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's just that I hate West Ham, but you're right. Everybody else below them sucks. United at nine. I feel like it could have been 
Forest at nine, United at 10. I've got Forest yeah. at 10. But I really think I basically said it's very close, but unless Spurs are shit and Wolves are shittier, these are better results than Forest, Plain, Palace, and Sheffield. Oh, oh sorry. Forest beating uh Sheffield and losing to Arsenal. So I've got Forest at 10 behind United. And then I've got Palace right behind Forest. I've got Villa at 12th. Uh, their ass whooping to Newcastle just kills them. Even though they won this weekend, I just, I think Villa will be higher than that. But for now I had to put them at 12. I've got Fulham at 13. I've got Chelsea at 14, just over Bournemouth. The reason for that is because Chelsea drew with with Liverpool and Bournemouth lost to Liverpool. I've got Burnley at 16. I've got Luton at 17. Uh, I have Wolves at 18. I have Luton over Wolves because they both lost to Brighton 4-0 or 4-1. But Luton at least did it on the road. Wolves did it at home. So I've got Wolves at 18. I've got Everton Everton at 19. And Sheffield at 20, mostly because Everton, I believe, lost to better teams than Sheffield. So they lost more decisively to better teams than Sheffield. Sheffield put up a fight. Sheffield should be at like 15 above Bournemouth. I think Sheffield's going to be fine. Sheffield's not going to be fine, but I wouldn't, but now I, I could see you putting them at 15, but Sheffield will not be fine. They're going down. Oh, fine. I, that's sh- great. They're not worse than Everton. Nobody's worse than Everton. <laughs> we will see. Still high on Everton's blue kits. I'm telling you, <laughs> the only good thing going for them. I, I enjoyed every bit watching that game, how good they looked other than the soccer. But when I was there color. last year, you guys, and Everton fans are going to literally hate this if we have any that listen, but I, you can walk from Liverpool to Everton. You walk across a park. It's remarkable. I, I saw it. I saw it's, it in the spring. It was it's crazy. So, it's so cool. So I went and visited Anfield. I didn't go inside to these stadiums, but I was just trying to get in front of as many Premier League stadiums as I could when I was there. So I went to Anfield. I went into you go into you walk into Anfield's uh, store, like team store, and it is massive. Two levels, just massive, massive store. Walk across uh, the park. I show up at at Everton, and I don't know if this is the official team shop or not. So I don't want to totally shit on Everton without 100% full information. However, the team shop near what looked like to be their main entrance was like a storefront. So again, someone can for sure correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like a storefront, kind of small, very unimpressive. Everton is a small club and I hope they play in their brand new, amazing stadium in the championship next year. Well guys, that's all fun and games, but we have to address real life issues and we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about it. It's so depressing and it's, and it's complicated. 
Chris Smith and I have been going back and forth quite a bit on this Mason Greenwood situation. Lundberg, I don't know if you're familiar with what happened. Uh, there are, there are a handful of, of players in the premier league with sexual assault battery allegations against them. Thomas party, uh, for, um, for Arsenal. Um, there's some new s- story, uh, about Anthony for Manchester United, uh, that there's some stuff coming out against him, but Mason Greenwood, very, very talented young player for Manchester United. Uh, a couple of years ago, his girlfriend who is now his fiance and mother of his child posted photos on Instagram saying, in case you're wondering what Mason Greenwood is like in real life, this is it. And it's a selfie of her face just battered and blood running down her face. She also posted audio of him sexually assaulting her. Mason Greenwood is immediately suspended and hasn't appeared in the Premier League in a couple of years. And most people assumed that, you know, his career was done for sure with Manchester United, but maybe, maybe completely. Fast forward to the last couple of weeks, there's been rumors that, you know, Manchester United is going to make a decision about him. And the rumors are that they're actually going to reinstate him. That reinstatement was basically saying, we've talked to everyone. We have information that the public doesn't have. We're going to make a decision soon. So they kind of slow leaked that and just got horrific backlash primarily from female supporters of Manchester United. They also kind of put it on the Manchester United women's team, which they were like, well, we're going to wait to do a final decision until the women get back from the world cup, which is also bullshit to put it on with like these women, like all of a sudden they have the power to like let, let him play or not let him play. It's just, so ass backwards in the way Manchester United handled the whole thing. Um, really, I think to even keep him on the team for one, but then two to drag it out and then kind of pass the buck to, to different people, their female supporters, and then the female members of, of the Manchester United uh, football team. So today they, they released their statement that essentially said We, we have all this information. Uh, the information we have says that Mason Greenwood didn't do. Oh, I should go back and say that his fiance dropped charges against him after she reported it. She dropped the charges. So there's no official charges. So there's no legal ramifications for him. So basically today they came out and said, we have information Mason Greenwood didn't do this. He's really sorry for the mistakes he has made and is repentant of those. He didn't, they didn't say repentant, but I'm given the, the reader's digest version. And, but because of uh, kind of the ramifications on Manchester United football club, we've decided that it would be best for him to continue his career elsewhere. And we're working with him to find a, a suitable option for him. So, um, 
just a really unfortunate situation all the way around. Again, we don't know all of the information. I think where I'm, what I'm struggling with uh, as I kind of look at the situation is I think we, we all know enough about domestic abuse that often the abused, there's a lot of entanglement and a lot of challenges with that and uh, wanting to protect the abuser. And so again, I don't know all the situation, but when you look at it from the outside and it was very public, you know, she posted these things accusing him of, of it. Um, uh, I think the fact that they're together still, she's his fiance and they have a baby together, I think just adds a whole bunch of complicated complicatedness to it. And so uh, just a really, a really tough situation. And I think more than anything, the thing, yeah, I think for domestic abuse victims everywhere, it's a bad look. And then I think um, especially for Manchester United, the way they handled it was, was pretty, pretty horrible. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. I mean, that's the first I've heard of any of the situation outside of our, our text thread over the last couple of days of just trying to figure out what we're going to be talking about. But that's the biggest thing I take from it is it feels like it was a, it was a lose lose for, for man. Is it man you or man city? Man you. Man, it's a lose lose for them regardless. Like they bring it back, but, but the way that they handled it, 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 it still looks horrible on them that they even kind of entertained it. And I mean, if you're not going to do it, like do it all in private and let the guy go and don't bring in the possibility that this is something that you're considering, whether or not they were or not. Like it feels like the, the, the PR and the, the communication side of their organization is, is kind of a mess to let it go through what it did to in the end, just go, Nope, we're not going to bring it back. Good luck. Like, I don't know. That, that doesn't, that doesn't, um, as you said, with the, the women's team and the supporters, like you're not winning any points on, on how public that was and, and how it came out. So, yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm wired like you, like I want to, everybody gets a second chance and we all make mistakes. And, but at the same time, like you're held to a higher standard when this is in a sense, the, the public perception and, and what that all looks like. And maybe they figured it out and he has an opportunity to, you know, uh, redeem himself and still get to play the game he loves somewhere else. But doesn't mean it should be with, you know, one of the top clubs in the EPL. And unfortunately there's consequences for your actions, regardless of whether or not we're never going to know the truth. I mean, that's just the reality. Like you and I, we're, we're never going to know what really happened, but unfortunately perception's reality. So. Yeah. Andrew, you want to tip, dip your toes in this very delicate water? Yeah. Maybe don't hit anybody in general. That's kind of my thing is, I mean, I, I just try not to hit my partners just because I don't know. They're my partners. Cause I like them anyway. That's, that's the, that's all I'm saying. That's good advice. Yeah. I think that's what's, and I think really when we think about his, his fiance as well, like someone hit her, someone did this. And so like, I also want to be sensitive to the complicatedness of for her and it being so public. Now she made it public, but that's it. Sure. Yeah, but also Ray Rice's fiance at the time ended up marrying him too. You know what I mean? This is this is a common yeah trope yeah. of people lying to cover it up for any number of reasons. Yeah. Um I don't know There's what happened. Financial implications that play yes. into it. I mean, we have to I mean, whether we want to talk about it or not, it's a huge piece of 
the reality of the situation, you know? Yeah. So. so maybe just don't hit your partner or most people in general, but maybe just don't. Yeah. That's, I think that's good. I think that's good advice. Well, moving on, uh, from that delicate topic, um, I did want to talk, there have been some very significant, significant injuries to start off this premier league season. Um, Julian Timber for Arsenal, their new signing, the defender, uh, I think torn, torn. I should have looked at actually how they're injured. I think it's a torn ACL, uh, KDB pretty sure is a hamstring injury. Uh, Tyrone Mings injured himself in, in their first game, uh, significant players going down. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects, affects these teams. I think the, the De Bruyne injury, hopefully it allows Phil Foden to shine. Uh, but he's KDB is still one of the best midfielders in the world. And so they will, they will miss him. And I think to me, and I get the reason I wanted to talk about this is I don't understand Pep's decision to start KDB in that first match. Uh, De Bruyne himself said he was surprised to find himself on the, on the starting lineup, uh, that first match. So I don't know. It seems like gross mismanagement by Pep to play him when he had been dealing with injuries all off season. Um, we don't need to go as extreme as to make a, who was it? Was it uh Tua Tunga Vailoa or whatever, who had oh, two yeah. concussions back to back last season? Yeah. Um, Obviously, uh, I mean, health is important and Pep doesn't come across as like a uh, cutthroat kind. Well, I take that back. He does have a persona of winning, 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 but he he also has this kind of like mentor type persona instead of like the, the brutal type of he's not Bobby Knight. You know what I mean? But you know what, though, he made. So here's the thing. And I, I meant to mention this earlier when Chris was talking about the no subs, but I forgot about it. He was bitching that uh, he's been bitching for years about the crazy schedule that they have to play, that there's too many games, Champions League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Premier League matches, match after match after match. They had a game last weekend, and then they played in the Super Cup on Wednesday in Greece. So they played... I think Saturday last week, they played on Wednesday. Then they played again on Saturday and he was bitching about it. That why are we playing on Saturday when we just had this super cup match on Wednesday? And yet he goes out there, rolls out his starting 11 and makes no subs. So I don't know. It feels like he doesn't care and he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, so, I mean, it is his fourth trophy in four months. So, I mean, that's or in three months even actually. Yeah. So goodness. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I, ugh. I, I like him. I never, I never thought about him that way until this injury. So this is new for me. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they were playing Newcastle too, like obviously one of the up and coming teams too. I mean, if you're going to sit some of your guys, like this is not the match you're going to do that in. And so maybe that changes over the next, you know, and it was a one, it was a one nil game as much as Man City never looked 
challenged at all. I mean, when you're up a goal, again, things can change real quick. And so, you know, maybe that changes over the next few weeks. I don't know who they who they have on the, the schedule over the next few weeks, but I don't know. If I get got. that. I get that. It's Sheffield this week. We'll see. We'll see this week with Sheffield coming up if, if it's a little bit more. I get that, but I'd be hard pressed. Guys. I'd be hard pressed. I bet you're hard pressed to find any team this entire season so far that hasn't made one sub. Like it's just, it's pretty right. unheard of to roll out your starting 11 and let them play the entire time. So I, it seems a bit odd that he wouldn't make one sub especially after playing a midweek match. So, well, you got Sheffield, it. Fulham and West Ham, so that's our next 3. So, yeah. we'll we'll see if a couple of weeks from now if we're if we're singing the same tune. Well, he'll for sure make subs in those matches, but yeah. I just think it's odd after a Wednesday match that he wouldn't make a sub. So, well, let's move on to straight red. <laughs> we did have one straight red this weekend and I it's kind of funny because there were also a couple double yellows that I, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the, the straight red was to Alexis McAllister for Liverpool. Um, I know we, we were texting about it. Tim felt like it was pretty weak. Um, did you guys see it? The high, the high cleat kind of high on the shin. Um, I was fine with the red on that. I think by the book, his, his leg is really high. I think yeah. what makes it not look bad is that the, who I forget who he fouled, but his leg is off the ground as well. But if that's a plant foot, it's a broken leg. Like hundred percent McAllister is coming in and he's, I mean, this is the other thing that is so insane about this sport is the speed at which these, these guys are moving and the criticism we put on them for a high challenge or for a handball. I mean, now they're the greatest athletes in the world, but uh, still it's remarkable. He's coming flying in on this tackle and it's, it's high. So if it's, it's a leg off the ground, no big deal, whatever, but a plant leg and that's a broken, a broken leg, a torn ACL or something. So I kind of agree. I think it's it's a high challenge, and that's call for a for a red card. I'm not going to talk I, about all the. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I um, this place has you. You've all changed me. There's this guy on TikTok I follow who does like really high end refereeing, not professional, but like the really good leagues, and he does reviews, and he just pulls out the rule book and he shows it every single time on calls. And it's gotten to the point where I'm like, damn it. It's, I mean, even if it looks soft, he's like, it, look at where his foot is compared to his knee. And it was really close to his knee. Even he's yeah. like, that's huge. That's that could end a career. And uh, I don't know. It's at this point, I'm like, yeah, it's a red. It was kind of a soft one, but it was a red. So I know we're not supposed to talk about double yellows, but did you see Mateus Nunez double yellow at the end of the match? Yeah. So we did say we would mention uh, a double yellow red card if it was egregious. And it was so I'm embarrassed for him. Like there, uh, you're losing four to one frustrating match. I get that. He got kind of hammered. 
he reacts. There's a little tussle. He pushes one guy over. I think that's what the first yellow is for. Then they kind of break it up a little bit. Then he pushes another guy over. Uh, I think that's why he got the second yellow. But the funniest thing to me, and it, it certainly will be a meme that's out there is when he throws his arms out to the side, like he's going to fight the guy, but he like, he's mocking him. But the way he does, he like drops his knees really low and he throws his arms out really wide. And he looks so dumb. Like I'm sure like if he has a partner or is married or something, he's going to go home and she is going to just lay into him. Like you looked like such a dumbass out there. Like Joe Bluth doing his chicken dance almost. <laughs> totally, yeah, that's that's one of the versions of a of one of the chicken. Have dance. any of you people ever seen a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm so embarrassed that like the double yellows that have gotten the most notoriety on this podcast have been wolves over the last couple of years. But there was um there was in this is a single yellow, by the way, but there was a yellow uh, for a dude. I think I texted you about it. This guy, all he did was like, he turns around and he starts like making fun of the ref and he's not even in the ref's face. And he's just like, nuh, nuh, nuh. and the ref gave him a yellow for mocking him from like 10 feet away. There are so many yellows being handed out today. The Tomiyasu, he got a yellow today for time wasting. They are, they said they were going to do it before the season started. They're cracking down on time wasting and they're cracking down on, like descent with the refs. And so we're seeing, we're seeing some really kind of ridiculous yellow cards so far this season. So we'll see if it curbs, you know, uh, the way players respond to the refs and if they continue time wasting or not, but yeah, it's been, it's been really ridiculous so far. Well, on to American watch. Tyler Adams to Bournemouth. Very exciting. This is a great move for Tyler. He was on Leeds last year, really solid midfielder. Um, and I think Bournemouth is the perfect place for him. I'm excited to see him play. Uh, he'll play a lot. He'll play against good competition. I think that's really good for him. Is it good for him because Bournemouth sucks so bad that he'll get tons of playing time? Is that the whole thing? I think Bournemouth is going to be better than you think they are. I don't think they're going to be top 10. I think they'll be, but I think they'll be safe. I think they're the only one of us who didn't have Bournemouth or Everton in your, in your bottom three. I know. I I like some of their signings and the Tyler Adams one only helps. That means you guys, there are 30% of the premier league that have an American on them. Six of 20 teams have at least one American. That's very exciting. And when I say American, I mean uh, U.S. men's national team eligible players because uh, Burnley has a player, Colioso, who is born in the America. So he is an American, but he's currently on Italy's under 21 team. So he hasn't declared where he's going to play his senior career at. So there's still a chance he could declare to be with the U S but so if you include him seven of 20 teams, so 35% of the league over a third has an American on it. That's pretty remarkable um, and exciting. Look look how far we've come. Look how far we've come. Who's, who's got the most. Uh, Fulham has two. Fulham has Ream and Robinson uh, and Forrest 
Matt Turner, their starting keeper, and their backup keeper is Ethan Horvath. So both of Forrest's keepers are Americans. So Fulham, Fulham and Forrest with the most Americans. How are we? Are we not referring to Matt Turner as the cap anymore? What happened? Uh, that's not Matt Turner. Oh, who is that's that? Jordan Pickford? Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson. Where's he now? I actually don't know. I don't think he's in the Premier League. Oh, because he was on Forest last year, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't. Dean Henderson is. No, he was on Sheffield last year. It looks like Dean Henderson is technically on United, but maybe he's on loan or maybe they haven't figured out what to do with him yet. So, but it's showing him still on United, at least on FB ref face uh, football reference. So. All right, gentlemen, how about your best of the weekend? I don't have anything. Um, my best is that I think uh, I texted this to you that you and I <laughs> are best at like getting the obvious things right. And our, our big reaches were woof, brother. They were way off. Um, your Chelsea reach was Chelsea at three or four, right? Four, yeah. Yeah. And uh, West Ham's looking good. Um, who did I, who was I talking about though? I think you were talking about West Ham. Yeah, I was talking about West Ham because I thought they were going to be straight trash and they ended up just beating the hell out of Chelsea. So what do we know? Chris, you have a best from the weekend? You know, just my basic first couple weeks of watching Premier League stuff. Gotta love the Brentford kits. Look great. Those teal shorts, those teal socks. Outside of the Hollywood Bets uh, logo. High on the Brentford kits. Um, I was, this is best, not worse, but as much as I'm, I'm not big on Man U, they got screwed on some of those calls uh, at that game. I thought they had a, a couple opportunities that, you know, it, it really put them behind the eight ball a little bit. And so they, they, they didn't look good, but I, I still felt, you know, at least as unbiased as possible, still staying that they got screwed by the refs uh at, at that game and then lastly you know whoever's been doing garnacho's plastic surgery um mm-hmm. give them i don't know if that's best or worst but man i i i struggled watching him play soccer and watching the close-ups of whatever things and work he's had done or not done it distracted me from from the, the sport let's just say that so yeah I was looking at a photo. I have a photo on my desk at home of me holding my oldest when he was really young. So maybe I think the picture is from 10 years ago. And I was looking at it the other day and I saw my beard was so dark, like not a hint of gray in it. And now I've got just a good amount of gray coming in. Like it's just, it's there and it's there to stay. And I was watching the post-match interview from uh, Man City and Newcastle and Pep came on. He's grown his beard out. It's, it's probably not as big as mine, but it's getting, it's getting there. And he had some just massive gray patches. 
And I just thought to myself, I like that. Pep, Pep's gray is looking good. Gray in the beard. So my my best of the weekend is Pep's Pep's graying beard. Um, I like it. It's looking good. So let's talk about beard uh, real quick. Beards getting gray. There's a good kind of beards getting gray, and that's in the chin. And especially if it's only on like one side of your chin, you know what I mean. Um, I'm getting it in my cheeks here, so that's I look like a damn is. chipmunk. No, that's where Pep's in. Uh-uh. It, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I hate it. I look like a chipmunk. If I get too heavy, I, I have to keep my face thin because, like, my cheeks will pop out and then the gray hairs will show and I look like Alvin and Simon and Theodore, dude. Well, I think, Not a good look for me. I think Pep waited long enough. He got through your phase to the phase where it looked – I thought it looked pretty good. So Yeah, mine's too speckled in. Ugh. Yeah. I've got the good gray, I think, where it's growing right here mostly, but some throughout the sides, mostly around the face. Well, let's move on to best bet brought to you by FanDuel. Well, they'll allow us to say that. Um, guys, we have actually had a, a, a pretty strong start to the season. As a team, we are As a, a team. net positive of like, so three of us are in the green. Yep. Uh, and it's substantial and yeah. two of us are in the red and it is minimal. Yeah. Everybody's so, got a win so far. We are. Yeah. This is, this is unlike us. We're going to lose our sponsorship. Uh, FanDuel loved us when we were giving bad, bad beats, but we've been, we've been performing fairly well uh, this weekend, Tim, uh, while we were all going back and forth about uh, Tottenham United, Tim all of a sudden ch chimes in and says, oh, yeah, I forgot I took Tottenham to win in my best bet. So good. Tim gets 180. He is two for two on the year, leading the way with a grand total of $251.43. So, Tim, great start to the season. Uh in second place are the two guys who lost this week. Uh, you guys had such good wins. Andrew, you had Chelsea. Uh, they lost. Chris had United. They lost. So that that deducted uh, 100 bucks from your earnings, but you guys are still up $130. Uh, Lundberg and I both got on the board this weekend. Uh, Lundberg, you had Forrest at negative 115. That gave you earnings of $86. That puts you at negative 13 bucks. Isn't We're close. Bad. Isn't too bad to start the season. I took Aston Villa at minus 155. That earned me $64. I'm at negative 35 bucks. So uh, a win for both of us away from, from moving into the positive. So well done so far this year. Lundberg, who are you going with this weekend? You know, I saw that that line Forest plus eight fifty against Man U, and that just screamed my name. More reasons to watch Man U. Hopefully, continue to not look like Man U. Still at Old Trafford, but uh, I think Forest has played okay so far, and getting eight hundred and fifty bucks on a hundred dollar bet it seemed like a like a good shot to take. I, I like it. You're not the only one to go with the long shot uh, this week. We'll get there. Uh, Andrew, who who are you taking? 
Um, before I go through this, there are some crazy lines this week. Okay. So there's don't a couple them of all. don't read not... them all because I don't want you to ruin some of the other ones, some of the other bets we got coming. That's fair. So I won't root them all. I will just say that I am so desperate to or tempted to put my money where my mouth is and say that Chelsea sucks and take Luton on the road plus 1200. I'm not going to, but I'm tempted. Um, ultimately, I'm landing on we have Newcastle at home and they're a plus 120 Ooh. against Liverpool. Anytime you can take a team as talented as Liverpool at home, almost regardless of uh, the competition, but I'm still down on Liverpool. I'm taking Newcastle plus 120 at home. I like that. Plus odds at home is is a good bet. Unless it's Wolves. I put money on Wolves with plus at plus 350 over the weekend. It felt really nice, and I lost that money. Uh, Tim is hoping to continue his winning streak. He is taking Aston Villa at plus 105. Uh, Aston Villa is at Burnley over the weekend. There, I love it. If you look at FanDuel right now, the little logos for their uniforms are almost oh. exactly the same thing. The icon. Totally. <laughs> the uh, the Clarendon Blue Derby this yeah. year. <laughs> Uh, I did not want you to spoil Chris is putting his money where his mouth is and shut Chris up is taking Luton at plus 1200 at, at Chelsea. Um, when I saw him put that, I was like, gosh, dang it, Chris, why are you doing these reaches this early in the year? Then I looked and saw they're playing at Chelsea and I thought, I get it. This is the best reach. I am so close to tailing him on this one. I am. Do I play it safe or do I go for what is a legitimately realistic long shot? No, don't tail him. You made your pick. You made your pick. All right. I'm going to lay in my bed. I am also putting my money where my mouth is that I think Everton is trash and I don't think Wolves are that trash. I am taking Wolves plus 200 at Everton. I know I'm going to kick myself late next week when we're doing best bets, but I cannot see a world. I can't, I can't live in a world. No, that's too extreme. That's too extreme. I did text you guys that you'll have to do a well check if this doesn't come true, but I cannot see wolves losing to Everton. I can't see it. And I, I can't either. I think it. it's a good bet. I think I it's cannot a good bet. accept it. I cannot, I will not accept it. I, I think Wolves are going to win. I can see it happening that they could lose to Everton, but I think Wolves are going to win. Gosh, please, Lord. Please. <laughs> well, that's best um, brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel! Lundberg, what match are you watching over the weekend? Or what match are you focusing on over the weekend? So this week, I uh, tried to get away from some of the uh, – the uh favorites in the league so far and see some teams that i haven't watched yet so going or watched much yet so i'm gonna go uh, brentford crystal palace and focus on crystal palace this week so looking forward to it great this is a london derby 
Both teams are in London. Uh, Crystal Palace is in the south of London. Um, it is one of the worst away days for fans. They're playing at Brentford, but uh, I went and saw a match at Crystal Palace this year, and it is a pain in the ass to get to uh, because it's so deep into the into the city. You've got to go around the whole city, whatever. But uh, they play at Selhurst Park. It's a really cool kind of classic stadium. Also, if you've watched Ted Lasso, it's the home of Richmond AFC. So it's where they have played their, it's where they film all those matches. Um, they have just top to bottom, the best kits, like just consistently great, great kit combination. The variations they do on them are almost always great. Uh, very excellent. I mean, there's, I was, I was very high on crystal palace when I did my season. I think they were in the top uh, four or five teams that I liked that year. They are managed by Roy Hodgson. He is very old. He managed them from 2017 to 2021 left and then came back at the end of last season to help keep them up. If you remember from our predictions, he was my my prediction for the first manager to get sacked. Uh, they already have three more points than I thought they would have at this time. So maybe he won't be, but uh, that's their manager. They're a problematic team from my perspective. They lost uh, kind of their most iconic player, Wilfred Zaha. They lost him in the off season, prolific goal scorer, prolific shithouse. Uh, horrible if you're playing against them, but really fun to watch. Otherwise he's gone. They barely stayed up last year. Um, I, I predicted them to go down, so I'm not very high on them. They do have a couple really great players. Uh, Ebereki Eze is probably their best player. He's a midfielder, very exciting, very fun to watch. So keep your eye out for him. Michael Olise is a very young, talented player. Chelsea triggered his release clause. Uh, but he decided to stay and signed a four-year deal with Crystal Palace. He's injured right now, uh, so you won't see him over the weekend, but he's he's another one of their best players. And then they have an American, Chris Richards. He's a defender. He almost never plays, so you probably won't see him feature. But Probably not going to see him. We'll see. That's, that's, really, that's really it. I, maybe you'll see something. Maybe they'll play a great match. Their kits will surely be wonderful to watch. Um, Brentford will be wearing their horrible ones, the red and white. Which one? Oh, the red and red white. And white stripes with, yeah. It, so they'll be wearing those because they're at home. I don't know what Crystal Palace will wear, but it'll be. Beautiful. I did see the Brentford when we went into London uh, in the spring. Every time we drove by, we drove by the Brentford Stadium every time. It's kind of a cool part of town, too. So I, I, it, it's neat to know where these places are at and have seen them. And yeah, totally. it's cool. So looking forward to it. I think the match of the weekend, if you're looking, if you only have one chance to watch a match, it's probably Newcastle Liverpool. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot. You know, every week we learn a lot, but that should be one that will really help us uh, see where both of those clubs are at. And I think uh, the garbage bowl, Everton Wolves, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to watch that match, but uh, I think it'll tell us the most about is our Wolves shit. Our Wolves, the team that played against Brighton or are they the team that played against United? So 
those are the I'm two- actually excited to watch that game. I love it when two lousy teams play because you're going to see typically more goals scored than normal. We are talking and about you learn something, maybe. We're talking about Wolves and Everton, who in that the is four true. matches they played have only scored one combined goal. So uh, I think it's wishful thinking, but time will tell. Um, okay, but they've given up uh, a combined, what, 12 Nine. goals? Yeah. At least? Isn't that right? Wolves yeah, gave up four, up five. five. Wolves have given up five. Everton's given up five. So okay, so ten. Ten. All right. Well, we'll see. My guess is there will be less goals than more goals in that game, and it will not be very fun to watch. Fewer. Ugh. Less. Yeah, I'm excited about that Chelsea Luton game too on Friday. I, think that's I am fun. too. Only only game of the day. I'm going to try to watch that one a little bit, yeah. and then uh, yeah, you know, as much as I'll be paying attention to my Brentford Crystal Palace same time Forest Man U I there's just something about that I'm going to be maybe it's just knowing Chris is going to be in the the group thread you know either complaining about something or I don't know it's it, it's fun having other Man U fans in the in the in the podcast here it's uh to banter with makes it makes the games a little more entertaining so yeah it does as always, you can follow us at Soccer Neophytes on Twitter. We're on threads. We haven't posted something on Instagram in a while, but we're on all those places. Um, listen, rate, review us. Thank you. Gentlemen, good night. Good night. Night. Levy out. Bosin out. <laughs>